Hello and welcome to the Road to the Garden podcast. Coming at you a day later than we usually do, but no Big East basketball tonight on Monday night. We're going to be looking ahead at some of the action this week, looking back at what happened this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for it. I got Tommy Godin here, as always, and Sarah Kiernan, who uh, covers St. John's for us. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good. Uh, excited to have you on your first time on the show here. Very exciting. Yeah, let's, uh, should we, oh, I gotta, I gotta read the thing here. Uh, just a reminder, this podcast is presented by House Enterprise in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com for more info. Uh, if you head over there, you're going to find my article talking about the power rankings and our biggest movers of the week, Marquette and Creighton. After the game they had Friday night, six losses in a row now for the Blue Jays. They fall to six and six. Marquette moving on up. Golden Eagles are ranked now at number 24. And Tommy, I think I, we will just start with you. Is this is this what you saw coming? I don't even remember what your prediction was for this earlier this week. It was. It was. I picked Marquette. That was a professional ad read by you, by the way. I like how Thank you fit that in. Nice <laughs> little segue. Look at you go. Um, but, yeah, I, I did predict um, Marquette to, to beat Creighton. Um, Oso and Omax looked great again, both double-digit scores, six rebounds each. Uh, but I think the most impressive player, not just in this game, but of the week for this Marquette team was Frederick King, the Big East freshman of the week. He had 16 points, 10 rebounds. Um, Marquette didn't have a great game from Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick, and David Joplin. Combined, they shot 29% from the field. So doing all that and still beating Creighton the way they did was very impressive to me. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely was there. It was funny to see Frederick King get that freshman of the week nod, even though Creighton lost. And I'm like, yeah. he, he put up the stats. I don't know if he, I don't know how great he actually was there stepping in for Ryan Kalkbrenner. Sarah, what were your early thoughts on this one? You know, I just think back to the rankings from preseason of Marquette being so far down and Creighton being up there. And now the tables has really turned and you just see Creighton kind of falling behind. Um, and it'll be see, interesting to see now that we are in Big East play to see if they're going to continue to just fall. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is kind of a free fall right now with six in a row. None of these losses are that bad for Creighton, which is kind of the crazy thing. You know, there's too many of them, but you look at the schedule and it's a two point loss on a neutral site to Arizona, a team that's in the top 10 of Ken Palm, a five point loss on the road to Texas, a team that's six in Ken Palm, a home loss to Nebraska is not great by 10 points but the next one it's a three-point loss on a neutral slate against the BYU team that hasn't played well this year but was supposed to be good and has talent and that's down a starter and then a two-point loss on a neutral site to Arizona State which is a good team without a starter and then an 11-point loss on the road at a conference foe without a starter that's probably the worst loss uh, second worst the the Nebraska one at home is the worst loss in that stretch but I think I don't know I Ryan Kolkbrenner fixes things for them to a degree. I don't know if he fixes everything that's going wrong with this team right now. Yeah, I mean, they obviously miss him a lot, but I think more so than the missing Kolkbrenner is their lack of depth really being exposed in this stretch. And Kolkbrenner is going to come back, and Creighton's going to be fine. I'm still not hitting the panic button on them, but but I, it's it's definitely on the table now, which I was not expecting at this point in the year. Yeah, this is not and it's not even at this point in the year. If you go back three weeks, nobody would have expected this. If you go back to that Arkansas game and the way it ended, and you say that between now and 
the week of Christmas, you won't have another win. No Creighton fan in the world is going to believe you. No. No. It's just the way it is. It was a sloppy game, though, or at least like a sloppy first quarter. Did you watch any of that game? I, I watched that full thing. That's what yeah. – uh, and that's what Marquette likes to do. They're going to make it ugly on you. It's uh, Trey Alexander, I think, was really rough in particular for Creighton. He only had four points, and he had four turnovers. The team had 18. And this is a Creighton team that struggled with turnovers in, with the backcourt anyway. And you add a Marquette defense that's going to feast on that. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. They took the lead with, like, eight minutes left in the first half and never came back. I mean, Creighton always has that little last push in them, but wasn't enough this time. And Marquette, they just get it out the mud. They find beauty in the struggle. It's just a prototypical shock, a smart team. Oh, and I love it. This team, when it comes to like the excitement meter for Big East teams right now and how much you want to watch when they're on, Marquette is, it might be number one. I would like what UConn's doing, but UConn doesn't play a lot of close games. Marquette's going to play close games and they're going to have fun doing it. And they bring energy and they're going to do some fun stuff on the court. And you never know what you're going to get. Like if we're doing the watchability index, I think Marquette's at the top of the conference now. Yeah, for sure. They had that 19-2 run near the end, kind of in the middle of the first half. And that was that was the ball game. Like, I think, I want to say Creighton subbed a couple guys out and had to go to the bench, and Marquette just took over, and that was it. Because this Creighton team has zero depth. I don't think we talked enough about how they lost Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell and basically expected Baylor Shireman to fill for both of them, which he's not capable of doing because – Farabello is not doing anything for them, and Sharif Mitchell's not doing anything for them. Nothing off the bench is working. Yeah. Yeah, the shooting's really not there. I mean, um, Baylor Shireman, he's he's doing his best. He had another double-double in this one, 11 rebounds, but yeah, it's you can't put that load on someone that's coming from a lower Division One school and expect them to, to pick up right where they left off. And it's to shoot that poorly and also only get three offensive rebounds against the team that wants to like press. And you can usually rebound well against Marquette at certain points. Cause if they're going to press, and they're going to get up the floor. It's just like with St. John's. If you want to play high tempo like that, the team gets stretched out and sometimes you can rebound against it and get second chance. Looks Creighton had nothing with that. No, nothing at all. Yeah. It was, uh, it was ugly, but yeah, that was a, one of our two games of the week there. I know we're going to move on to the other one. Any any other thoughts on that, Sarah? Um, I'm just like, I'm intrigued to see, you know, what happens over the next couple of weeks because honestly, there's no reason to panic yet, but come after the new year, come mid-January, if it's still, you know, they're losing almost every game, the panic's going to start setting in. Yeah. Because that's going to determine their fate for March. Yeah, and, and we're not we're not going to be talking about it on this episode because we're going to be here Wednesday night. Creighton has two games this week, both at home, including a Christmas game against DePaul. So we're going to talk about those specifically on Wednesday. But it's a three-game homestand for Creighton. You have to come away. It's Butler, DePaul, and Seton Hall. You have to come away with that with at least two wins, I think, if not sweeping that. It's, I mean, if you especially like a DePaul team right now, and we're going to talk about what they did against Northwestern here in a little bit. But um, I mean, you should be able to beat them without Ryan Kalkbrenner. And you should be able to find a way to win one of those other two games without Ryan Kalkbrenner if you are a Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4 caliber team like we thought this team could be before the year. 
Yeah, they they got to come up with at least two of the three. I mean, Butler's many beats is a beast. Butler's going to be tough, especially in the paint. But um, that game against DePaul is really one I I'm circling on the calendar for Creighton to get back on track. Yeah, and that's a national game on Christmas Day, baby. All the fun. <laughs> <laughs> getting the whole family just after christmas what time is the game you know it is 4 30 eastern so that's going to be 3 30 30 eastern your little your little christmas day dinner prelude <laughs> exactly oh my goodness that's right after incredible. we're done with the gifts at that point and get ready for dinner you got the family over your choices you've got put on some nice holiday music or you can go for some christmas uh nba action you can go with a little Christmas NFL action or Creighton DePaul. Well, that'll be three thirty their time, right? Yes. So we'll get to watch most of that game before dinner, if not all That's of it. That's true. Well, I'm, I'm saying for us, just for fans like on the East Coast, if you're visiting family or whatever. If you're not, oh, gonna yeah. Be, I'll be curious to see what attendance looks like for that game. Oh yeah. How many people more than Georgetown on Residence Free Night? We're not, this isn't even the Georgetown segment in the Hoys are catching strays. It's the, the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, come on. They do yeah. it to themselves. Yeah, we, we apologize, Georgetown. It's uh, at least the fan. It's oh, we know the fans are with us on that one. Yeah. yeah. They clearly the arena either. Clearly. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we should talk about our other game of the week this week, this past week, which was Providence against Seton Hall. I got to be there for that one. Um, Seton Hall led by nine at the half. Kadaria Richmond went for 28 for Seton Hall, but Bryce Hopkins had 24 points, 10 rebounds, kind of led the way for a Friars victory. Hopkins and Ed Croswell each had 16 points in the second half. The Friars win 71-67 at the Prudential Center and uh, withstand a, a late run there by the Pirates. To pull out a, a win that's that's providence's first win outside the state of rhode island oh How wow that, they didn't play a lot of games outside of the state of rhode island though did they no, only three of them <laughs> two, two at mohegan one in texas yeah one for three can't yeah. complain but yeah i mean like the great ed cooley said a win on the road in the big east is like winning the lottery <laughs> boy that. is he right my transfer of the year bryce hopkins like you said 24 and 10 all of his rebounds came in the second half Mm-hmm. And the second half is really where Providence ratcheted up their defensive intensity. They held Seton Hall to 34.5% from the field after halftime. Kadari Richmond got his, but he's going to get his. He's a bucket. So um, a lot of encouraging signs. A new career high for him. Yeah. yeah it's, he had one of the best performances of the week, and nobody's going to notice that much because the team lost. Yeah. Sorry, Frederick King, but yeah, um, a lot of good things to take away for this Providence team. I think, I I think four for four from the line to end the game for Providence is Alan Breed with some really clutch free throw shooting again. He's done that for them massively huge. Yeah, Yeah. this was a weird game nine lead changes, nine ties. Like it was on the seesaw, and to get to pull out that win, like Providence usually does in those close games at the end, was, was really huge for them. Yeah, and here, here's a, a little stat for you. So Bryce Hopkins, 16 points in the second half. Ed Croswell, 16 points in the second half. The rest of the team had 12 points. Devin Carter went for eight in the second half, and then two from Noah Locke and two from Alan Breed. Those two from Breed came at the free throw line. So the rest of that team did nothing in the second half. It was basically a two, three-man show there, and 
Uh, Noah Locke had four assists, too, in the half, which was huge. Bynum, two assists. Bynum is still kind of struggling, although I think he did what they wanted him to do there. Um, but, yeah, Sarah, you're in the uh, the New York area here as the St. John's person, so you got Seton Hall across there. What do you think about this one? So I was actually watching pieces of the game, bits of it, um, and when I turned tuned into it the first time, Seton Hall was winning, and I was, you know, wanting to see what – happened but I honestly am very impressed with the Providence when it was it was something and I think Seton Hall is kind of you know it's under you have a new coach this year coming in um I think they're still adjusting I think that's the biggest thing I think they're still adjusting and there's a lot of room to see what happens I uh, I did not get to um be at Shaheen Holloway's press conference thereafter but I was told he was not happy with his team once again if anybody's been following this he's kind of throwing his team under the bus a couple times here now uh and they they kind of deserve it nobody showed up I mean they got a they got a career high performance from a guy who has not played well for them this year they had the breakout they were looking for from Kadari Richmond nobody else showed up nobody and the defense was not great in the second half the way Seton Hall likes to win games I mean this is the Providence offense that I think has played well lately is a can be a good offense but this is not a top tier offense. I don't think they should not be giving up 70 points to it. If, no. they, if the Seton Hall defense is as good as it is supposed to be. I mean, you can even look back to, you know, the, when they played against Rutgers, like that was such a low scoring game and you have to, I mean, they ended up winning, but you know, showing up to that, you have to put a lot of effort in. And I think that they're not putting as much effort into their game and continuing the game as they should be. Yeah. I was I was there with all the Seton Hall media people, and it was up nine at the half, and they all turned to me and said, "Just wait for the second half. Just watch and see what's <laughs> going to happen here." And I think that says a lot about. I mean, these are the people that are watching every single Seton Hall game, and they know this team and what's going on there. And it's just, it's, it's not exactly what's going on with Creighton, but it's similar in that, like, I mean, Seton Hall plays more players, but none of the depth there is working out. They always have a couple players that play well, but there's always a couple players that they need to count on to play well that don't, and then they lose games they shouldn't. Uh, like losing to Siena and Shaheen Holloway's quotes after that one, saying the team just did, all day never seemed interested in playing basketball was basically the gist of what he said. And it's all right, that's that raises some eyebrows. How bizarre! I think that's the biggest issue is you know you got guys who literally wanted to come to school to play here, and you. I think there's a lot of adjusting going on between coach and players. It's it's the old guard, the guys that were there last year, I think, who have not adjusted to the new season. Yeah. yeah. Tommy? It's just bizarre. The Shaheen Holloway comments. I don't know what his what his end game with that is. Is he just trying to buy himself some more time or I don't know what he's doing, but it, it's it's every game he makes well, a comment. I think, I mean, even at St. Peter's, and I've talked to other people about this, that he's always been this kind of aggressive, like, screaming, cursing at his players. You, like, you can see it. You can physically see it on him. You can hear it. And I think that these guys aren't used to it. And they're not used to being cursed at or screamed at by their coach. Like, a lot of players aren't. You know, it's not a nice thing to do. But I think that's his approach, and that's not how these guys are used to it. And so they're coming in being like, what is this guy doing? Like, Kind of like, where does he get off where I've been here and you just caught, walked in the door? Yeah. 
And it's this is a Seton Hall team, too, I think struggled at the end of last year. And I think there were questions to an extent about the locker room under Kevin Willard last year. The way the team kind of just fell, and they didn't fall apart at the end, but they just kind of sputtered across the finish line at the end of the season. That performance in March, and it was, it's, you look back at it, and there's a little bit of a trend of, okay, it seems like the team checked out at some point last year when they realized Willard was going to be gone and they were going to have a new coach. And they haven't checked, they have not all checked back in for a single game yet. Their their only big win was against Memphis on a buzzer beater, like that. That's the only big win they have this year, and they have a loss to Seton Hall. That's why they're at nine in our power rankings right now. And this team could be higher; it has the talent to be higher, but it's not happening yet. Yeah, starts with the defense on that team, and and they're going to build around that, and everything will fall into place. Maybe not this year, but but yeah. everything's going to be fine. Seton Hall. Speaking of defense. Uh, I think the, the Providence defense looked a lot better in that game. I mean, apart from Kadari Richmond, who was hitting everything, uh, the Friars played really good defense in the second half and forced some turnovers. Got after the ball. Uh, they had a run to take the lead late in the second half. There ended up giving them the lead for good. And the cap on it was they they had a steal and Devin Carter runs out and gets a slam. Who did so athletic? Uh, it's, his dunks are incredible to watch. But the defense was really good, and this is now four wins in a row for Providence. And using Bart Torvik's game score metric for how well a team played, these are the four best games Providence has played all year. So we're going to talk about the Providence-Marquette game coming up in a little bit. But this is a, a Providence team that is playing a different type of basketball than it did through the first month of the season, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have left on my game notes on this one, you know what you know what's coming, Matt. Oh boy. The Prudential Center food. Talk to me about it. Those potato wedges. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, we had we talked about this last week because you we were there for Villanova BC. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't if you guys aren't following on Twitter, Tommy has the thread going of the best media food at every event. Or he he, he rates the food. All the I'll say, have you gone to Barclays? Because they didn't give media food for um Empire Classic. Empire Classic. There was no media food. There wasn't even water the first day for media. No, there was well, awful. Well, that's bad because I've I've been to Barclays before and they had food, but it was in a weird location. You had to like hunt for it. Nothing. There was no food, and the first day there was no water, like no drinks, that's and bad. the second day there was water in like not maybe like 15, 18 bottles, and that was <laughs> it. No food still. So you had to pay Barclays Center prices for bottles of water and food, which for a broke college student as I am was not enjoyable. No, that's not great because that's not going to be the best food. It's stadium food. It's it's fine. It's it's good. It's you know it's decent. You know. Yeah, stadium food. Yeah, Tommy. So Tommy, you had the pasta there at Prudential Center last week. I did. It was not pasta for me. It was um, chicken tenders and potato wedges and some pre-made salads. Definition of mid. It was just like the chicken tenders already had a weird texture. Like mm. they couldn't have been sitting out. I got there two hours before the game. They could not have been sitting out for that long when I got there. There's no way. So I don't know why that was the case. This, I mean, the sandwiches were fine. I was just regular deli sandwiches. The cookie was really good. So you, yeah, that was the best correct. part for sure. Yeah, you were correct on that one. Um, and they had like drinks and stuff, but it was. Yeah, they, it was good mustard for the chicken tenders, at least. Good honey mustard. Well, it was honey mustard is always needed. Yeah. 
Did you see the brisket sandwich that I think it was on Barstool or something? It looked like spaghetti noodles. The meat was so thin. Oh my goodness! I'll tag you in it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, send that to me. Send that to me. Yeah. But yeah, now disappointed with the Prudential Center food there. We also we got kicked out pretty quickly because there was a Devils game right after. I ran into a couple of Devils players there, and they by the time I'd finished my article, they had switched over from the court to the ice. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, they they get on it in a, a hurry there. But yeah, everything else about that was good. And, yeah, Bryce Hopkins there could have won player of the week, honestly, if not for what Sule Boom did with his – he had 24 points, a career day for him, a breakout. I think it's big against uh, a big Seton Hall team and a veteran Seton Hall team to see him have that type of game. So that will be huge for the Friars going forward. I mentioned Sule Boom. We're going to quickly go around the other Big East games that happened this weekend. We'll start on Friday night with Xavier taking down Georgetown. Sule Boom could not miss. 28 points for him, 6-9 from deep. He was electric, and looks like Georgetown played its best game of the season so far, potentially, and just, I mean, the defense had no answers for anything Xavier was doing. Yeah, Georgetown played really well. I mean, they only had six turnovers all game. Primo Spears uh, showed out again, another 22 points for him. It it was 47-46 in the opening minutes of the second half in this game. I, I definitely think that this is a at least a moral victory for Georgetown if you're looking for some type of silver lining. Yeah. The frustrating thing, though, is that uh, they need actual victories instead of moral ones at sure this point. And to play that well and not come, I mean, they could not get stops. They went to a zone defense. Uh, if, you follow, if you follow Michael DeRosa, who's our Butler and one of our, he's a Butler guy, but also a Georgetown guy writing for us. And he was going ballistic about just the defensive schemes that Georgetown was using because it made no sense. This is a Xavier team that is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, and they were playing zone defense against it and just getting devoured in every way. And they allowed 100, 102 points, I believe, was the final. Was how many? It was 102 to 89? Yep. That's just – Xavier's offense is good. Georgetown's defense should not be that bad with that talent they have. I don't know where Xavier would be without Sule Boom this year. I mean, another outstanding game. I'll read you his stat line. 28.7 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, uh, 1 turnover, and 6 of 9 from 3. I mean, just outstanding stuff in a year where they didn't really, going into the year, they didn't really have that guy in their backcourt. And he's been more than they could have ever asked for. He has been an improvement on what Paul Scruggs gave them last year which I quite yeah. frankly did not see coming. He's second in the Big East in scoring average right now. 17.9 points per game for Sule Boom this year, second only behind Adama Sonogo, who also was a beast this weekend uh, against Butler there on the road. And that game, I think, went just about as everybody expected. I mean, Butler, Butler played a good game, and Ali Ali was back, and Jalen Thomas was back, and UConn, the game was close, and then the next thing you know, UConn wins by 22 points. Man. Yeah. That was that was the, the Saturday night game there. UConn won that one 68-46. The defensive effort there to hold Butler to 46, too, that's a heck of a defensive effort by Butler to hold UConn to 68. That's their lowest score of the season. It's good I mean, moral victory for Butler a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Snowgo, he proved that he could hang with the big dogs in that game. Uh, most makes in his career in that game, he, had, he was 13 for 21. Mm-hmm. He had 14 rebounds, and half of them were on the offensive glass. 
was a closer game. It was 43-39 with like 10 minutes left. Sonogo hit a three. They won on a 21-6 to run. Butler didn't score for something like six minutes, something like that, and that was the game. But, I mean, the top note here on my list of notes for this game is holy expletive. UConn's defense is very good. It's insane to watch. Yeah. yeah UConn, UConn played probably not his best game on the road in the Big East against a quality opponent that could be a tournament team this year and won by 22 points. So I think that says exactly where UConn is right now in the season. Your other Big East results this weekend, uh, DePaul gets thumped by Northwestern, 83-45. to 45. Ugly. St. John's beats Florida State, 93-79. to 79. And Villanova beats St. Joe's on Saturday. A road win in the Big Five. We're going to look to... The rest of the schedule here, before we do, um, I'll start with you, Sarah. Any On those three games, anything that stands out? Any big thoughts? I think DePaul is kind of back and forth. I would say that. I think that they have, they have you know, they just need a push. Because, they. I mean, they can show that they got something, but, you know, losing that much to an out-of-conference team – DePaul was up to 77 in Ken Palm after starting the year 3-0 and and beating Minnesota. They're now down to 125. It's almost a 50-point drop there, and part of that's injuries, but Northwestern is not good. No, and, and it shouldn't have been that big difference of a score, too, to end the game. Um, I'm proud of my Johnnies for winning, uh, beating Florida State, because as any St. John's media person knows, you can say that they should win. Don't hold your tongue, though, because we have seen in the past seasons that it may not happen and then we'll all be sad. But thankfully, they have been proving us all wrong this season, so which yeah. is very nice. Yeah. Um, Joel Soriano still Mr. Double-Double, um, still leading. Yeah. Love to see it. Um, it'll be interesting going into, you know, now full regular season play to see what they do. Yeah, I still feel like we don't know anything about St. John's other than that Joel Soriano is better than he was last year. Oh, Joel is a whole new person, like overall on the court. Like you can see it just him sitting from, you know, I, I'm a photographer. So showing the photos from last season to this season, you can see it in your, his face, his playing, like everything. You can see that he's a new player, which is a great thing for the team too. Yeah. But I think the St. John's kind of gets – pulled back sometimes because of the past and this season because you know not only St. John's men's but women's we are now ranked top 25 we are number 25 in the AP poll for women this is the best um season opening that they've had since 2015 Mm -hmm. um head coach Joe Tarnamella uh he this is his 11th season and you know he has an older team his entire team is basically Seniors, grad students, six-year students. Mimi Reed is a six-year grad student or doctor, doctoral student. You know, you had a, these older players, and it's really paying off for him. So it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see them. You know, they won yesterday. They play again on Wednesday. And if, they, if this keeps going, this could be, you know, a ranked team throughout the year and honestly even make the tournament. Yeah, it was a that was a big win over Providence. I think that game was tied going into the fourth quarter. The Friars had a shot late there in the third to force that, and then St. John's just ran away with it in the fourth. Oh yeah, yeah, a huge huge win for that program there. So good stuff all around for St. John's right now, men's and women's basketball. Uh, I meant I will mention this. I only just realized uh, I said that Providence just had its first win outside the state of Rhode Island. 
St. John's just got its first win outside of the city of New York in this one, what is basically a road game at Florida State there. The only the only other game they played outside the city was at Iowa State, and that was a bad, bad loss. Yeah. Uh, just a, just not – it started off bad, and they got better throughout the game but couldn't really make it close. The Empire Classic being there in New York and uh, lots of home games for St. John's. So, yeah, this is – only going to be the their game at Villanova this week. Only going to be the third time they play outside of the city of New York so far this season. Very much an unknown there, Tommy. Those three games I mentioned on Saturday. Any any thoughts on those before we move on? Um, quickly, I'll give you a quick thought on all of them. I mean, just to echo uh, what Sarah was saying, Joel Soriano has been outstanding this year. He's taken the biggest jump out of anyone that I've seen in the conference. I know I said Zach Fremantle, but I think it was Ryan who picked uh, Soriano as the most improved player, and he convinced me with his argument. So good stuff there. DePaul, that was ugly, um, but they're so beat up right now. It's tough to really, really kind of – I don't even know know the words. It's it's tough. I mean, DePaul is just – They need a do-over on this season. Like It feels like like it should not count against Tony Stubblefield, whatever's going on there right now. Yeah. Completely agree. And as for Villanova, that was a solid win against a, a better rival in the Big Five. Kim Whitmore continues to impress, um, although not really in the box score. He looked good in his limited action out there. And Chris Archdiakonos here, Matt. Watch out. Arch- the best out. game of his career. Arch Madness, baby. He, he's here. It's, uh, yeah. That's what he's here and he's him. <laughs> the Chris Archidiacono show continues. It is going to continue this week, Wednesday night, when Villanova takes on St. John's. We're going to be previewing that and the rest of the Big East action uh, Tuesday, Wednesday here. But first, just a reminder, we've teamed up with SeatGeek this season to get you the best deals for tickets to your favorite teams. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, and they're here to give you some great deals. Get in on the fun and head over to SeatGeek, download the wrap, and use code NCAA Hoops Digest for $20 off your first purchase. Perhaps you could use that code on the first game we're going to talk about here, which is quite a matchup. And that is the, the first Big East game Tuesday night. It's going to be the Georgetown Hoyas heading to stores to play UConn, 6.30 on Fox Sports 1. Ken Palm has this as a 26-point spread. The betting line has it as 23 points. My first question here is a general general thing. Can UConn beat Georgetown by a combined 100 points in the two games they play this season? For sure. For sure. I, I don't, I don't think it's really a question. It's, it, whether they can, it's whether they will that is the... Yeah, this game's going to be brutal. With the seat geek read that you just did, another professional job, by the way. Oh, if gosh, Georgetown is giving away tickets for free and you use a twenty percent off code, does SeatGeek give you money to go to the game? <laughs> Something we got to look into. We'll get our people on that. But yeah, speaking of money, UConn opened up as minus ten thousand favorites on Action oh. Network. I just checked. money line, money line, of course. Oh yeah, meaning oh. you would have to bet ten thousand dollars to win a hundred. On UConn to win straight up, um, it, I don't have that. that kind that's of money, just but. investing money. Just like put, like if you're wealthy, just put a bunch of money on this game, and you'll get a nice instant return. Like, exactly. It's risk free. Yes. I, I mean, 
I'm not going to spend any more time on this. Uh, UConn's going to win by a large amount of points. And entertain me here. Let's say we're we're doing our Wednesday show, and our lead headline is Georgetown shocks UConn in stores. How does that happen? UConn's bus breaks down, and their intramural team subs in. <laughs> I mean, even and plays Georgetown. Going off of that, like you could even have their managers play, like, and, and they're probably oh, doing the same. Yeah, George, Georgetown might lose to the UConn managers the way things are looking right now. So. I mean, they probably have a seven foot manager with the, all the people they have on their team. But yeah, yeah I mean, realistically, um, Georgetown is just going to have to hit their shots. They're, they're huge underdogs going into this game. Everyone knows that. We don't have to keep beating that dead horse that I'm just absolutely mauling right now. But <laughs> I, I mean, Georgetown's just going to have to hit their shots. UConn's an outstanding defensive team. They're going to have to get on the board early and often. Primo Spears has been outstanding. He's going to have to continue to be outstanding, and and it still might not be enough. That that defense is going to have to find – the defense effort-wise was good against Xavier, but I just – you need to get real lucky with UConn missing shots and that defense performing better than it has all season to have a chance in this one. Kudus Wahab is going to have to find a whole new level to his game defensively too. I mean, he's the third best center in this game with Klingon and Sonogo on the other side. He'll have to play like the best one somehow, which I don't know if he has that in him. Uh, there a lot would need to go right for Georgetown to win. Yeah, I mean, Sonogo's going to get his early, and then he goes to the bench, and great, you have Donovan Klingon coming. I mean, it's not – there's barely any drop-off, and Sonogo's the front-runner for Big East Player of the Year right now. That's an insane yeah. thing right, to have. Right now on Ken Palm, they do the the Conference Player of the Year rankings. Donovan Sonogo is one, Donovan Klingon is two. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's what they've got going on there is crazy. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to the next game Tuesday night, which is a kind of underrated pick. This is this is game two of the week. If if St. John's Villanova is 1A, this is 1B. And that's number 24 Marquette at Providence at the Amp there, 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. I'm really, really intrigued about this game. I, this I, can, is- I can see it. You're just you're leaping from your seat. Like, oh, Providence. <laughs> yeah, this is it's, when these two teams played last year. Uh, we got a blowout at five serve forum. And then when they came back and played the building then known as the Dunkin' Donuts Center, it was a, a classic, a game that came down to the end. The Friars had a comeback and the crowd was alive. And it was just a, it was a fantastic Big East game, a real physical one. I think these are two of the best coaches in the conference, two of the best teams on paper right now in the conference, the way Providence is playing, the way Marquette has played all season chance this is the biggest chance that the Friars are going to have probably their best chance for a ranked win in a while right now and for Marquette it's taking it on the road again against a good team and winning winning these games for Marquette is the difference between being a top two team in the Big East and somewhere around three four five potentially definitely not that your ego needs to be stroked anymore Matt but I am also I well I don't know if you are but I'm predicting an upset here I got the Friars in this one. The Friars are outstanding at home. They average over 85 points per game at home while shooting over 50% from the field. And Marquette isn't good on the road. Against Northeastern, Stonehill, Manhattan, and Albany for that stat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Cupcakes. But, um, 
Marquette's bad on the road. They're giving up over 70 points on average, and they're even worse from the free throw line. If this gets to be a tight game like most Big East games are, especially with two teams that are near the same tier in the conference, Marquette shoots less than 70% from the free throw line as a team. That's like abysmal. I think if Providence can control the glass with Croswell, I'd, I'd really like their chances. Yeah. Uh, just You mentioned the free throw thing real quick. Tommy, do you know off the top of your head what Villanova shot at the free throw line last year? 83.1? Yeah, which was the best mark in all of college basketball history, at least I think that we have recorded or whatever. Providence opponents this year are shooting 78.6%, so that's within five points of the record. The, the Friars have just been – yeah, it, Providence is three, uh, 356th in free throw defense right now. So I think they're kind of due for a game where the opponent does not shoot the ball well there. That, that, that's where I hate analytics. That's a made-up stat. There's no such thing as free throw defense. Get out oh, of here. Yeah. It's really – it's just – I mean, it, to be fair, I think part of it is who you send to the line. That's like if true. You're, you're choosing, if you're choosing to foul uh, – what do you call it? Like Jalen Brunson over Shaq, then, yeah, that that's on you. <laughs> What a comparison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a weird episode we got going we <laughs> today. <laughs> it's a Monday. It's the Christmas Monday night Christmas week vibes here. It's uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what are you looking for in this one? You know, it's just going to be if Market can keep the pace. It's going to be a good game. I'm really excited to watch this one. It's going to be one that I'm going to be, you know, wanting to see who. I, it's going to come down to the end. Like, I'm not. I, I could count on that that both teams it's going to be like the last two minutes and we'll see what happens yeah that's that's kind of how i feel on this one it's i think think for the friars right now after putting four games together it would be disappointing if you can't at least make yeah. it close they've they've struggled against the good teams that they have played um and i think for marquette for the, as well as marquette has played i think your expectation should be to win this one not easily but comfortably because yeah. I mean, this is a Marquette team that almost beat Purdue on the road and crushed Baylor. If you come in and play like that. It's not going to matter that you're playing on the road. It's not, it might not even matter what Providence does. Marquette will be Marquette plays like that. They are one of the top 20 teams, maybe the top 15 teams in the country when they have an on night. And so if they bring that, there might not be much the Friars can even do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Should be should be a real good one there. That's the CBS sports game. Is that the first? Yeah, is the first CBS sports. Did you give your pick? Uh, no, I'll, I'll pick Providence. Yeah, there it is. I was do you do you know Matt? Have you met him? There it is. Providence is involved. Yeah, that's very Ryan, unbiased. He, he broke off from Big East Coast bias and <laughs> the name left the bias. And yeah. no, it's it's Ed Cooley and uh, Shock Smart's really good. There's no result that would surprise me here. A blowout in either direction, I don't think, would surprise me here knowing these teams and the way they play. I'll, everything is on the table. But I think the Friars are playing like the team people expected them to be coming into the season. I think they flipped that switch. I think Bryce Hopkins is that guy now. And I think we're in store for a fun one, a classic that'll come down to the end. And I'll take Ed, I will take Ed Cooley over most coaches when it comes to close games. Over just everybody but Jay Wright. <laughs> the luck of the friar yeah after after last season i right, we'll move on here the the late game tuesday night on fox sports one 8 30 tip eastern seton hall at xavier to me the interesting story in this one is that seton hall defense which is supposed to be really good against the xavier offense that is one of the best in college basketball right now 
Can the Pirates slow down Sule, Boom, and the Musketeers, or uh, is this going to be another win and a 2-0 start for Xavier? As much as I would lo- like to dunk on Seton Hall, I, I think it's going to be a fairly close game here early. I mean, you've seen it with a lot of these Seton Hall games, except for that one anomaly against that Division II team like Lincoln, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Seton Hall stayed very competitive in a lot of these early games. You touched on it a little bit their defense is outstanding um but indiana has a better defense than seton hall does and xavier put up 79 on them so i i think that it's going to be i i could see it being closer in the beginning of the game but i i have xavier pulling away comfortably at the end here what do you think sarah i think it's going to be close kind of like what you said you know they both have shown that they can put up numbers they can put up points they can do it it's just if they are going to yeah i think that's more of the biggest thing is if and it's, it's going to be like the marquette providence where it's going to be close i don't think that it's going to be a huge blowout for either um but it's definitely going to come down to it and honestly by like the middle by the beginning of the second half you'll kind of know who's gonna keep pushing yeah has a Seton Hall three-point defense that's ranked 20th in the country, a Xavier three-point offense that's ranked second. I think that's probably the battle there. And if Xavier's hot, they're going to win this game. If Xavier oh, yeah. isn't, then it's going to be a close one, and we'll see who pulls it out. I'm going to take Xavier. Xavier's at home. I think Xavier's the better team here anyway. Uh, it might get close, but I'll take the Musketeers. Yeah, Seton Hall is not a great rebounding team especially on the offensive end. So they're going to have to rely on making shots, and that's very tough for them in the half court, so, except for Kadari Richmond, apparently. Yeah, he's the guy. They'll need somebody else to step up, for sure. whoever that is. And it's, we'll see if Kadari can do it again. If he does it again, he'll be – if he can be that kind of guy, he'll be a first-team All-Big East type player here. Yeah. But yeah, they need, they need more than just him in that one. And that's going to bring us to our game of the week, Wednesday night, St. John's at Villanova. Villanova's first Big East game, St. John's uh, first Big East game that is not against DePaul. Yeah. Yeah, 6.30 Wednesday night, FS1. This is why we brought you on, Sarah, to talk about this one, a little St. John's Villanova preview we'll wrap up with here. So, Sarah, I'll start with you. My question is this. If St. John's does manage to pull out this game, what's the reason why? I mean – you kind of seen it over the season, and I've seen it personally with these guys, that there's a lot more effort. Not even effort in the sense of that they didn't put effort in last season, but there's a lot more drive in them that they want to win. It's a lot, they're a lot hungrier than they were last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I'm going to say this, and it might get a little bit of hate, but there's a lot of negativity on the team last year, and you can kind of see it if you look back. And, you know, there were specific people that, you know, I'm not going to, say anything else but there was a lot of negativity on the team and I think this season has really flipped where you see that Carbello has come out as a leader Soriano has come out as a leader Alexander has come out as a leader like they all are leading each other into helping each other figure out what we're gonna do how we're gonna win and you know Villanova's has been this team that's been winning that's been beating St. John's and you know this is the first time they're seeing each other since they knocked us out of the tournament the Big East tournament last year so I think it's gonna be really interesting to see you know I mean Mike Anderson's words St. John's is a second half team and they have proved it time and time again you know they might be down at the half and they might be tied they might be up by a little bit but they can come out with that win um it'll be very interesting to see 
Yeah, St. John's was not a second-half team the last time these two teams played, blowing a 17-point lead there at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament. That was a shocking game. That was so – I just remember sitting on the court with, like, four seconds left at the very end, and security's like, you need to move. And I'm like, please, go away. I will hit you with my camera. There is two seconds left of this game. Let me get this shot. Oh, hard. That one hurt, I remember. Villanova won that one 66-65 and route to another Big East championship there. Uh, Tommy, if Villanova gets this one, what's the what's the reason why? I gotta before before I give you an answer, I got a fun stat for you here, Matt. The first time these two teams played was in nineteen oh nine. Saint John's won thirty eight to nine. And no, that wasn't in football, that's basketball. Thirty-eight <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a score right there for a basketball game. That's yeah. something. I think Villanova's going to take. Um, I'm going to take the over on yeah. nine that, points. That was Colin Gillespie's first year, by the way. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that actually. Um, no, but if Villanova wins this game, it's going to be because they played their game. These two teams could not be more different in terms of tempo and average possession length. St. John's ranks second in the country as. Villanova ranks 317th. Um, Posh and Curbelo wreak havoc defensively. Um, but we have our stopper. We have our guy, Chris Archidiakono. He does not turn the ball over. I don't think he's going to be phased too much by that defensive intensity. He played 35 minutes against St. Joe's, had zero turnovers. Villanova's very efficient on offense. They're top 15 in the country. Dixon's improved in the paint, so he should be able to keep Soriano off the board. I mean, you're not going to keep Soriano off the boards all game, but I think he should be able to check him a little bit and do a good job. Um, in their last game, St. John's wasn't too, too deep. They only had six players play more than 10 minutes in that game. Foul trouble is an issue. Villanova's top five in the team in shooting free throws. Whew, man, I could I could go on. I, 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 this is going to be such a huge game. For Villanova, these next three games are, but um, we're not looking past St. John's to UConn and Marquette yet. Um, David Jones, I haven't even talked about him yet. Um, he hasn't fared well against Villanova in his career. In his whole career, he has 13 points against Villanova, including one point in their last outing. And St. John's hasn't been tested yet. I mean, the only team that they've played inside the top 80 in Ken Palm, they lost in a non-competitive game. So... This is a home game for Villanova. St. John's lost their only away game this year, and Nova usually has a pretty good time with the Finn. I'm going to take Nova in this one. All right. Sarah, are you picking C- Are you picking not C- no, St. John's to win this game? I, I mean, I think it's going to be close, but what Nova has shown this year is not what we were expecting, not what anyone was expecting. So I think it, it it's going to be close. I, think it's, I don't think it's going to go down to – 66-65 like it did last year because I don't think they want to kill me again um, or any St. John's fans because they all we're all on Twitter and we all know the fate that we will all be on there waiting patiently. But um, I, I think I'm going to take St. John's on this one. I think right. also you talking about David Jones. He was with, you know, he was at DePaul and I think he's changed a lot in how he is playing, especially mm-hmm. in um, – you were saying Alec Posh and Carbello, they feed off of each other's energy. They, you know, 
you put them on the court together and they're just going back and forth. It's, you know, you need, they need to keep that energy up. And that's what it really is. When St. John's gets hot and if they they stay hot, they are hot for the rest of the game. They're, they stay hot. We saw that against the Paul too. 10 0 run to start the game. And that was it. It Never really got close again after that. I'm going to take St. John's in this one. I think, and it might be, I think it's, this is a styles make fights type of game. It's just who can control the tempo like this, the way the series is too, like St. John's winning this and then Villanova going and winning at St. John's in the garden later this season would not surprise me at all. Uh, Especially if Justin Moore is back later on, I think he'd be huge in this game. I think St. John's is going to do a good job of forcing turnovers and getting the pace where they like it and getting some of these guys uncomfortable. Um, the Joel Soriano, Eric Dixon matchup should be really, really interesting to watch. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for David Jones against Cam Whitmore. We'll see if Cam Whitmore gets put in the starting lineup there. He hasn't, he hasn't started yet, right, Tommy? Nope. No, no starts for him. Maybe that, maybe that changes. I think we're going to get some good matchups. I think St. John's has a slightly deeper backcourt at the current moment, and that could be the difference maker here. So I'll take the Johnnies, but there's no, no result that would surprise me in this one either. Same. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. I think that's going to that's gonna do it for this one. We'll be back Wednesday night after that game. And uh, it's going to be Tommy and I. I think we're going to have Zach Penrice, Penrice on as well to talk a little bit about where Georgetown is. Uh, this He's been covering them. So we'll, we'll give we'll, we'll talk about that Wednesday night. We'll okay. look for a little bit of Christmas basketball and whatever Creighton has coming up with two games there Thursday and then Sunday. Look ahead to the Big East schedule the following week. So stay tuned. For that one. Thanks for coming on, Sarah. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And um, for Tommy Godin, I am Matt St. Jean. We will be seeing you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening.